Hi, everyone. Welcome back to season three of the Next Academy podcast, where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. I'm Cody Phillips, joined as always by my co-host, Western PA NECA Executive Director and Next Academy co-creator, Chad Jones. First, I'd like to thank the 2020 foundational sponsors who power the Next Academy, Graybar Electric, Southwire, Milwaukee Tool, and ABB for their great support. For those of you who are first-time listeners, thank you for joining us. The Next Academy was specifically designed for union construction leaders and the unique challenges that they face. Next is the only 12-month leadership training ground built specifically for you. It is an empirically based curriculum leveraging modern technology to deliver the most user-friendly experience for each and every participant. The overarching goal of Next is to help. To help contractors become more sustainable and profitable long into the future. The feedback from our participants has been overwhelmingly positive and I encourage you all to consider walking alongside your peers on this leadership journey. We've now had over 150 contracting companies and over 300 participants from California to Boston and everywhere in between. Registration for our 2021 cohort will open June 1st. To learn more, check out www.nextleadershipacademy.org. Before we dive into our straight sauce segment, where we are going to analyze Patrick Lincioni's book, The Motive, let's hear a word from John Greenhall and Lisa Wampler for our Cohen Seglius Legal Minute. Subcontractors are not perfect, and for that reason, are routinely called upon to warrant or guarantee the work they perform under a construction contract. There are express warranties where a subcontractor agrees that their work will be of good quality and new, unless otherwise required or permitted by the contract documents, that the work will be free from defects not inherent in the quality required or permitted, that the work will conform with the requirements of the contract documents, and that the work will be performed in a good and workmanlike manner. With respect to these explicit warranties, it is critical to make sure that the repair obligation for failure to comply with these terms excludes situations where the damage was caused for reasons such as alterations to the work not performed by you, abuse or damage to the work caused by third parties, and normal wear and tear. Equally important is having a clause that expressly disclaims implied warranties, which arise under the Uniform Commercial Code or common law like fitness for a particular purpose or a warranty of merchantability. This disclaimer should be explicit and spelled out in bold capital letters. Construction contracts also customarily contain a provision requiring the subcontractor to cure any defective work for a period of time, which is usually one year, that runs from a certain triggering event. An assumption is often made that the subcontractor's repair obligation under what is also known as the comeback warranty runs from when the subcontractor's work is complete or accepted. But typically, the triggering event is either the date of substantial completion 
or the date of final acceptance of the project. Thus, you want to carefully review the provision to make sure you agree as to when the repair warranty commences. Other key considerations to look for in a warranty clause include the reasonableness of the period of time in which you have to return to the job to perform the repair work. For example, is it 24 hours, 10 days, or 30 days? And whether the warranty period can be extended by the performance of repair work starting the one year all over again. The warranty terms in a subcontract are often overlooked as boilerplate language, but can lead to unexpected project expenditures on a project that you thought was already in the books. So make sure you read them closely before signing. Thanks for tuning in to another segment of Cohen Seglius' Legal Minute with John Greenhall and Lisa Wong. Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Oh, have I got your attention now? Have I got your attention now? What's up, Chad? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's great, man. So uh, what's on your mind here at the end of May? Well, the end of May, uh, obviously it's good to see a lot of our contractors getting back to work. Uh, man hours are starting to go up. We seem to be back to where we were pre-pandemic. And uh, those are all positive signs. And I think that um, hopefully the summer continues to grow in that manner and I think, as, as we said earlier in a conversation, that the pandemic's terrible. I mean, setting that aside, uh, obviously a horrible thing, but the disruption's been awesome. I mean, the disruption has been a huge opportunity for our members to test themselves and new things that they want to do, and it's been an opportunity for us to test ourselves. It's also been an opportunity uh, for people to shine and um, show us a little bit about what they can do. Um, and it's not all done in the office, and I think a lot of our contractors have seen that as well. So there, there is a silver lining. Now, I think, uh, I think a lot of people out there probably get tired of, I'm not here to tell you that um, this is a great thing and I'm going to motivate the hell out of you. That's not the deal. I still think the whole thing, quite frankly, sucks, and it does feel like Groundhog's Day, and I think that it's hard. Um, for those of you that have young kids at home, uh, I know how hard it is. Cody knows how hard it is. And certainly our wives know how hard it is. And it's, it's, it's not fun, but I think that um, if we could just take it one day at a time and continue to climb out of it, um, it's all good. We'll learn something from it. No, I think you're right. And the fact is each setback gives us an opportunity to grow. And to your point, let's not sugarcoat it and pretend this is awesome. However... To your point, it's given an opportunity for a lot of people to think differently about their lives, uh, to look introspectively at what is most important to them, but also to look at their companies and see what they can do differently. You know, we talk in our third foundation of the Next Academy about disruption and innovation, and, you know, oftentimes uh, 
disruption is forced upon us. And it's never been more evident than it is right now. And it's given companies an opportunity to step back. We talk about getting on that balcony and seeing the dance floor, working on their company and not just in their company. And this has been a great opportunity for contractors everywhere uh, to be able to do that. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a book called The Motive by Patrick Lincioni. And, um, you know, this was a great selection. We utilize Lincioni's classic five dysfunctions of a team in the next academy specifically for the company exclusive folks. And I'm a fan of his approach to writing. Easy read, easily relatable information. And Lencioni, a little background, he is the founder and president of The Table Group, which is a firm dedicated to helping leaders improve their organizational health. Uh, he's been there in that role since 1997. His principles have been embraced by leaders around the world and adopted by organizations of virtually every kind, including multinational corporations, entrepreneurial ventures, professional sports teams, the military, nonprofits, schools, churches, and now, due to the Next Academy, contracting companies. Uh, he is the author of 10 business books, over 6 million copies sold worldwide. His work has appeared everywhere from the Wall Street Journal to the Harvard Business Review, Fortune 500 Magazine, Bloomberg, Business Week, USA Today, among many other publications. And we utilize the Harvard Business Review as an integral part uh, to our empirically-based curriculum at the Next Academy. And Lencioni certainly has his place as a respected, trusted author in our community. Um, have you read any of his books, Chad? If so, do you have a favorite? Yeah, one of my favorite books of Patrick's is The Advantage, Why Organizational Health Trumps Everything Else in Business. And it's mainly about building trust within business teams. It's a great book, way to read it in our master's class. Uh, it really gets down to, you can have all the talent in the world, but quite frankly, if they don't trust one another and they're not working collaboratively, um, it all starts there. So it really starts at the foundation of a business and how, how employees communicate with one another and how much that affects outcomes. Yeah, what I've found about his books and just his overall approach to writing is it's very easy to read and it's very easy to apply the lessons to your business. Uh, the, this book that we're talking about today, The Motive, is about 175 pages in all. Um, it challenges you from the beginning with one major theme. Um, he does a nice job of shifting your attention towards uh, really helping you understand the importance of why you're leading in the first place. If I ask you, the listener, the question, why do you want to be a leader? And your answer is anything other than because I want to help others achieve at their highest levels leadership is probably not right for you. In essence, leadership is leading teams and managing people. It has to be about what you can give, not what you can get. He thrusts, you know, the book, basically, he thrusts the reader into a, into a day-long conversation between rival CEOs. And Lencioni really does a good job of taking us on a journey that culminates in a resolution that is as unexpected as it is enlightening. 
as he does with each of his books, he then provides a straightforward summary of the lessons from this business fable, uh, combining a clear explanation of his theory with practical advice to help executives examine their true motivation for leading. In addition, you know, he asks the reader to honestly assess themselves, and he presents action steps for changing your approach in five key areas, which we'll talk about here um, a minute. And, you know, he made this point very clear, and it really is the overarching theme to the entire book. Don't be a leader unless you're doing it for the right reasons. He lays out two reasons to be people become a leader. Exploring two leadership motives. He talks about reward-centered leadership, the belief that being a leader is the reward for hard work, and therefore that experience of being a leader should be pleasant and enjoyable, avoiding anything mundane, unpleasant, or uncomfortable. And the other motive is responsibility-centered leadership, the belief that being a leader is a responsibility, and therefore that experience of leading should be difficult and challenging though certainly not without elements of personal gratification. Leadership is a privilege. It's about serving others. A lot of leaders lead because they think it is cool. Yeah, and a main concept in the motive um, that the the, the book serves to reestablish the standard that leadership can never be about the leader more than the led. And that's a common theme throughout the book. And, you know, why do, why do you do what you do? Is it the notoriety, the status, the power? People love the concept of leadership. They love the term leader. And for that matter, they fall in love with a lot of characters from history who were leaders. But they never stop to understand the why or how. This book really dives uh, m- more into the why and what it looks like to actually lead people. And to your point... Um, you think about it in terms of why do why does someone step up to be a vice president or a CEO or president of a company? And he kind of dials in the difference between the thoughts about what that may look like financially, what that might look like prestige-wise, and all of these glitter things. And then what you realize for some people is when they get there, the details of the job, they really don't want to do because that part is actually painful. And, you know, we can read all we want about magical figures um, who, who have been acclaimed to be great leaders, and a lot of them are. But if you read the details in the beginning part of most of those biographies, it's all pain. <laughs> and when they get there, it's a lot of pain, and it's a lot of struggle. And this book really points out that that's a big part of it. And if you're not comfortable with those pieces of it, don't be blinded by um, the concept of it. And something that pops into mind that if you want to use this as an example where you pull it out of business and you say, where else is a fun place to look at areas where this happens? I think a great place, quite frankly, is the NFL draft. How many people on draft night or how many players, is that it? I made it. I did it. I put the hat on. I bought the gold watch. I'm going to get the house and the car. But they're not saying... I'm going to play for 15 years. I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. My goal is to win a Super Bowl. They're not preparing their bodies for the job. They've treated it as if I've made it. And there's a big difference between getting the post 
and and now starting what it is. Yeah, it's a starting point right. in, in actuality. And we all know the reward-centered leader that's in it strictly for themselves. And frankly, many of us may have even started our own leadership journey for that very reason. But the hope is that over time, you've realized that the true art of leadership lies within the ability and the responsibility to lift others up. You know, in the next academy, our entire year is based off of this definition of leadership. And that is leadership is the process of influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation while operating to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. That is where we'd like each of our participants to get at some point in their leadership journey. Now, I'm sure as listeners, you can easily think of examples of individuals leading organizations that do not operate with these goals in mind. And it's very, very easy, as Chad mentioned, to get caught up in the trappings of leadership, those glittery items that sound so good, um, of, of simply being titled the CEO or in rising up into that executive role. And the CEOs that lead with this objective, with that reward-centered focus, will fail. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but ultimately they will fail. Right, and I have an example, Cody, for, on this uh, gentleman that I knew uh, from years past. He was uh, a gym teacher when I was in high school. Um, and it's kind of a unique example to kind of highlight what this book is really getting at. His whole life as a, as a youth growing up, he, all he wanted to do was go to West Point Military Academy and um, be a cadet. And he made it. He made it to West Point. And he washed out within one year. And he even said, I prepared my whole life for it. But I just, I wanted to go to West Point. I didn't necessarily want to be a cadet. And I didn't realize that till I got there. And it's really similar to what we're talking about here. The, the, all, the, all of the prestige that can come with saying, I am a West Point cadet. That's wonderful. But do you want to do what a West Point cadet does? That's right. a totally different question. Right. Lencioni, he covers five actions of great leaders that I think are of great value to listeners. You can certainly dive deeper into each one of these if you grab the book. But he says the actions of great leaders are running great meetings, which I know that surprises many of you, managing the executive team, Managing the executives as individuals, having difficult conversations with people, constantly communicating and repeating key messages to employees. Those are his five actions. So if I just ask you about these specific actions, how would you grade yourself? The leader must be a constant, incessant reminder of the company's purpose, strategy, values, and priorities. Lencioni says, you're not only the CEO, you're the CRO, the chief reminding officer. Now he, he says that the CEO should have the most painful job in the company. Now think about that. To Chad's point, you get drafted. For a lot of people, that is the pinnacle. 
you get moved up to a CEO role. To a lot of people, that is the pinnacle. You're certainly not expecting it to be the most painful job in the company that Lencioni is getting to. For a lot of people, it is not easy to run great meetings. It is not easy to manage other executives, to have difficult conversations, to be in constant communication with your employees. But as a great CEO, as a great leader, as a great executive, as a great foreman, as a great superintendent, that's exactly what you must do. One of the things that the author really points out, and and there's there's a series um, of books uh, that, that Patrick Lensconi has, and he he really he writes them as business fables so that you can kind of get the real world example of what he's talking about. And then, as Cody said, he follows them up follows them up with lessons. But if you've done the right things and you've hired the right people and and you've got talent on your team and you've got the trust within the teams, I mean, man, you're like 60, 70% of the way there. And then if you can step back and now let those teams do what you brought them to do, you say, all right, well, what's the CEO's job? The CEO's job isn't to stick his nose in every little thing and run marketing and run finance and micromanage this department or micromanage that department. He's now solely focused on his people. That's it. Just developing and growing them, allowing them to execute. And again, I'm going to use a sports analogy, but the coach doesn't go out on the field and play. He's just solely focused on trying to put the right players in the right place to execute. It's the same thing of a CEO when he's got a really talented staff. He stays out of their way. He makes sure they have all the resources that they need, and he helps set the strategic vision to put them in a place to execute. And that's what the author is really talking about here. If you are listening right now and you avoid team building, you delegate or abdicate, you think team building is too touchy-feely or a waste of time, you think it's going to be emotional or uncomfortable, if you can't build the team, you can't serve your organization. And you are a reward-centered leader. You know, I know how many people hate meetings. A lot of people. Why is that? You need to ask yourself that because great meetings are incredibly important for great organizations. If you are a leader, you need to know how to run a great meeting. And if you don't enjoy it, you best figure out how to enjoy it or you're not going to be in your role very long because you're going to fail. They're that important. You have to learn how to manage your team. As Chad said, you know, once it obviously depends on the size of your organization, but as the top person, as the CEO, your job is to manage the team, manage the culture, and have your pulse on your people every single day. So in another one of the author's book, The Advantage, that I mentioned in the beginning, this is, you hear Cody and I talk about this a lot because, folks, every business book you read about comes back to this. So if, if, you, if you think talking about this is boring, then business is probably boring because you're going to find out that every single one comes back to these topics, which is if you're having meetings and 
the group is not in a place in which they can um, collaborate and talk and disagree with concepts, you're absolutely not getting the full potential of your staff. And quite frankly, you're wasting money. Well, you know, Lencioni says in the book, straight from the book, meetings are the central activity of leadership. Bad leaders have other people run their meetings. Good meetings have debate and conflict, to your point. People are able to be passionate without consequence. The leader prioritizes what will be talked about. And in the next academy, we just discussed psychological safety. And that word scares the hell out of rough and tumble construction companies. And I get it. And you can call it whatever you want. But the point is, is that your company, your personnel within your company, has to feel safe in discussing whatever is on their mind. And you as a leader have to be okay with wherever that conversation goes. And it may get uncomfortable, but the point is, as a leader, you are responsible to build your teams up. Your job is to build teams based on trust. And there's no way that you can have that trust unless you allow people to feel comfortable talking about whatever is on their minds. So the question is, do you, the listener, agree with Lencioni's five actions of a great leader? I look forward to hearing your thoughts uh, in the comment sections on social media and so forth. I did really enjoy this book. I think it's of value. It's certainly an easy read. I encourage you to pick up this book and um, any in Lencioni's series because I feel that you will find value. And if you're a part of the Next Academy in 2021, you'll get an opportunity to study his work in more depth. We have some new swag at the Next Academy. I'm going to throw out a challenge right now. If you, um, if you comment on any of our social media posts with your favorite leadership lesson, this could be from your father, from a book, from your mother, uh, from a grandparent, from a teacher, from a mentor. If you put in the comments, hashtag swag, and then your biggest leadership lesson, I'll hit you up and get you out a t-shirt. We got some new t-shirts from Sustain You, which is uh, an awesome company. All of their products are, are made with recycled material. Um, and uh, we'll get some of that out for you. I wish you all the best as you face some of the most difficult times of your career. Um, home can be hard right now. Work can be hard right now. Career can be hard right now. Not to mention all of the weight of the social issues that we are going through as a country. If we can help you at the next academy, myself, Chad, Director Callanan, any of our faculty, please do not hesitate to ask. I again challenge you to be the change you want to see. 
Do not let the voice in your head limit you and your capabilities. You are built for so much more. I see it year after year in the next academy. I see contractors, I see participants do things that they never thought possible. There is simply no room for complacency in life's equation for success. You are either getting better or you are getting worse. As with all leadership, it takes discipline. No looking around for excuses, no pointing fingers. It's about accountability, about responsibility. Until next time, attack the days ahead, own your life, and be next. Thanks for listening to the Next Academy podcast, where we focus on construction leadership, brand growth, and staying on offense. Oh, Father, tell me, do we get what we deserve? Oh, we get what we deserve. And where down we